Sarah Michael is head trainer at Vive Pilates in Sydney. In this conversation, we talk about the evolution of the Pilates industry and really the key theme that keeps coming up throughout this conversation is feeling comfortable and letting go, putting down the baggage, letting go of the need to be someone else, the need to be correct, to be proper, to be technical, to know the right thing to say, to not make mistakes. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sarah Michael. Sarah Michael, welcome to this conversation. Thanks very much for for joining me. Thank you for having me, Raf. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. So the well, the two things that really I'm interested in talking about, or we're both interested in talking about, really. Uh, firstly, I want to really understand a little bit about your journey and your philosophy and approach to teaching, and what kind of drives you. Yep. Um, and secondly, I really want to talk about the evolution of Pilates. Um, yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a hot topic at the moment, and something I think about a fair bit. And I know you think about it a lot as well. Yeah. So, can you just kind of give us a a, a brief history of you? I know that you uh, found Pilates probably like three, four years ago. Is that correct? Yeah, it'd be almost five now. Oh. Yeah, I'm getting on that five year bandwagon. Yeah, so yeah. Tell, tell us what you were doing before okay. and, and um, how that journey's gone. So it's a really interesting um, journey that I've been on. So it's one of those things that I've never been into fitness in my whole entire life. Um, I wouldn't say it was a background of mine. I did play a couple of sports, but definitely never was about how I looked or, you know, anything to do with that image sides of things. Um, so I started my journey growing up as a graphic designer. So I was very creative um, as a, you know, adolescent, loved all like my design subjects. So I moved into graphic design once I left school and thought that, that was what excited me and gave me my drive for life and to wake up every day. Um, I got a really good opportunity with a company that I worked for for a while. Um, then I just kind of felt flat a little bit. Like I felt like that wasn't, re it wasn't rewarding enough. It wasn't fulfilling me in areas that I thought it was going to. Um, and I had an amazing partner and my life was great and I was getting married. And then I was like, well, maybe I should do something before I get married with, you know, getting into shape a little bit. Um, so I, there was this tiny little Pilates studio across the road from our design studio and I went over and it was reformer and I was like, Oh, what is this? You know, I never thought about it, never seen it before. And it was just love at first sight. Like I got on that bed and it was so much fun. I never experienced something that was just so just enjoyable and it was workout, like it was life-changing. So I became one of those people, which I think we all can kind of relate to a little bit, one of those clients that would go twice a day um, and became really passionate. And then the guy that was running the studio actually loved the energy that I brought into that place when I was there. Like I would talk to clients. I was just almost his spokesperson for his studio um, and he said to me, he was like, do you want a job? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I've never said no to things. And I kind of was ready to take on that. So I went and did my qualification, um, in Pilates and I went and did my cert three and four in personal training and fitness. So, so I had a bit more knowledge. Um, and that's where my journey started. I started in a little tiny studio and it's just gotten, bigger from there. I ended up leaving graphic design um, and became full-time instructor for Pilates. And so tell me about that transition. Like, did you did you dive straight into doing full-time Pilates or did you kind of edge into it with um, classes? I, I kind of, it started off just small with just two or three classes a day. Um, and he was an amazing mentor. Like, I worked alongside him for a long time. 
uh, would be about a year. And I end up becoming a bit more of a superior role in there just in everyone was like, oh my God, you need to teach more classes. We, you know, you've just, you've got, you've got to just be here more. So that's kind of how it happened. And then it was almost laid out for me. I never, I never tried to resist it. Um, if something's working for you, I'm a massive believer in just going with it. Like there's no point saying no, if it's, if it's all lining, you know, set out for you and it's just this perfect, you know, path for you just to keep going on. So it just evolved by itself. And I just, I never resisted. I never kind of said, no, this isn't, this isn't going to work out. Or, you know, I was like, I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'm probably in the best headspace I've ever been in. Um, so I, I went along with it. It was a really easy, seamless transition from graphics to, um, Pilates. I just, there was no, there was no cons to it. You know, I kind of just was like, yep, this is it. This is where I need to go. Um, the only thing that I found really hard with the transition was what people thought, like my social group and my family and everyone like that were like, how are you gone from not a fitness person to instructing? And I think, you know, people don't understand what reformer or Pilates is. It's so much more than that. And it became so much more about what I was getting from teaching from my clients and how amazing that was. That's what fueled me more. Um, yeah. And then it just, it just happened. It was so, I, I, I've got no other word but seamless in how it, that path just led me to where I am now. Yeah. So firstly, I just want to uh, give a, a little bit of an aside that you said um, only two to three classes a day. Yeah. You know, just, just eased into it. I think for most people, they would consider that not easing into it if you're still, <laughs> work, still working full time. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought you were going to say two to three classes a week. No. Um, yeah. So I, I, th I think I just got a little insight into one facet of your personality mm. um, that you consider that to be just easing into it. Um, yeah. I really want to go in, dive into this idea of what you said, I, I never resisted. Um, I, yeah. I think. Uh, my observation is that in like I teach people to be Pilates instructors and, you know, obviously there's some technical skills. You need to know the exercises, how to cue, mm. how to program, you know, all the, all the technical things you yeah. need to know. But it's the banter and it's the personality that is the main, yeah. you know, the authentic personality, you know, coming through, your authentic personality coming through that really is the key thing that attracts clients to, you know, assuming you've got basic skills. Yeah. And – you know, the thing that I see almost everyone struggle with the most is really letting their authentic voice emerge. Like people mm. feel they need to be- A certain uh, in, someone. Yeah, and in quotes, proper, mm. you know, pro Pilates instructor. So they need to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, have their exactly. hair done a certain way, you know, use certain cues, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, but they don't, they don't, and so that sort of often they do resist. Mm. They resist being themselves and they resist opportunities because they think, oh, I'm not worthy or I'm not ready or I'm not proper enough or something. So yeah. I'd, I'd love to know because that seems like something that just wasn't an issue for you. So I'd love to hear about why I think, that is. I think that comes back to I didn't have – I wasn't influenced by anything. So I never, I never really went down a path before – starting reformer Pilates to kind of, I had nothing to follow. I had no, I had no one that I needed to be to get into this role. I'd been told that whatever I was, I, they needed that. Um, so I think that's where the not resisting comes into it, where I just, I didn't have anyone to kind of, follow in their footsteps I was just myself so I think I, I guess I got easy a little bit I didn't have that exposure to Pilates beforehand where people talked a certain way and cued a certain way and all of that I definitely 
we can obviously go through this a little bit more. I definitely had my struggles as I went through it a little bit more, um, how people would, I was like, maybe I need to cue more about the anatomy of the body or how the body's functioning and how it's moving and why it's moving like this. Um, I definitely tried it and it was awkward. It was so not me to do that. Um, it was so much more about the experience that I gave a client over the knowledge that I sent to the client. Um, so I definitely, I didn't really, I didn't really think too much in about it. And I think a lot of people go into teaching with way too many thoughts and, you know, they've got, like, I've got to get this message across to what's happening with their body right now, instead of just letting that person just let them do them for that 50 minutes or 40 minutes, whatever time that they're doing, but give them a, an experience. So give them something authentic. Don't try and put a facade up or try and be someone you're not when you're teaching. Because I think as humans, we, we know when someone's not themselves. We know when someone is putting on something. Um, and I don't think we we like that as humans. I don't think we kind of want people to be fake, you know, and I, I it got, comes down to any profession that you're in. You can tell when someone's, can I swear, bullshitting? Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it just, you, it turns you off straight away. So I think just being able to be comfortable in your own skin, believe what you want to believe and go and just give your message. You know, you're not going to please everyone. You know, and I think people are so worried about pleasing the world. You know, there's people I'm sure that don't like the way I teach, but then at the same time, I've got people that love the way I teach. So I think it's not about being a massive people pleaser. Just do you because at the end of the day, people are just going to come because you're real. And I think you don't need to be a certain, you know, you don't have to follow in anyone's footsteps how they teach or there's not a certain way of teaching. You know, I think what we can do to be the best at what we do is just be real and be authentic and actually care about what we teach. Um, if you don't believe in what you're teaching or saying, then it comes across. And I think that's kind of why, I don't know, I just I don't resist any any way of thinking with myself i just go with what i feel is right and what i say is say yeah so so you really see pilates teaching as an experiential totally kind of trans trans transfer to the client rather than uh something mechanical you're doing to their body totally i think the mechanical sides of things happens for them they figure that out you know like if you can make them feel comfortable and and l let go in the when you're teaching that happens organically for them you don't need to really tell them that that's happening they're going to figure that out they're going to walk out of there feeling amazing you know so, so tell me we've got straight down a rabbit hole here and we haven't even yeah. finished your bio we'll, we can do that later but yeah tell me about all right, so this this idea of way too many thoughts when you when you're an instructor, mm. when people start out, they they have way too many thoughts, and just to be you, you know, just for me to be me, for you to be you, yeah. is like the easiest thing in the world if you get out of your own way, yeah, and let it happen. But you know, for many people, it's, it's super hard, hard to, yeah. to get out of our own head, and and. You know, a lot of second guessing happens and thinking, oh, I want to say this, but oh, but is that the right thing to say? Oh, but maybe it, if I don't say it, maybe that's a problem too. So, mm. um, so yeah, how, do we, point. how do we enable our clients to feel comfortable? And I, and I'm, I take your meaning there as being feel like emotionally comfortable, not necessarily yep. physically comfortable, because I know Pilates is often physically uncomfortable. Yes. Um, yeah. so, so how do we enable our clients to feel comfortable and to let go? I love that. If, you know, we haven't, <laughs> if we're struggling to feel comfortable and let go ourselves. Yeah. How does that, how does that process work? Um, I remember, so from my last my st studio I started at, I moved to 
um, KX. Um, and that was awesome. Um, and you run a pretty intense academy at KX. And I remember coming out of there going, oh, my God, I'm so overwhelmed with what I need to because you, you, you think about when you do your course, how many things it takes to set someone up and the springs and there's so many things to think about. Um, and I just, it was one of these things where you've got to have this light bulb moment for yourself and go, okay, well, what, are the, what are the main things I need to think or say to get these clients moving to start to feel what they need to feel? Um, and for me, that was minimal cue. If I can, if I can just get them moving into motion um, with something, I I'm say I'm such a visual person. For me, half the time when I was writing these cues and setups down, I was like, this doesn't even make sense for me. So I think finding that is going okay. Well, what works for me? What's clear for me? If I was to do it. Um, and then at the same time, because you believe what you're saying, the client's going to believe what you're saying. And I think if you don't read it from a textbook, go, okay, but this is what I have written down. So I've got to say it like this. You don't believe it because that doesn't work for you. Mm. So I think, you know, it comes back to going back to when you're studying, like what is it that's going to make you remember those notes? What is it going to make you believe what you've written down and put on paper. Same when you're teaching, I think. I, it's like, what is it that's going to, what do you resonate with? What is it that helps you? And then if you believe it, the clients are going to believe it and feel comfortable with you. Um, so, yeah, I think maybe, that, maybe that's where it starts. Maybe you come down to going, okay, if I was, to, if I was in their shoes, what is it that I want to hear? Um, and I think because it's authentic, they get it. Mm, I love does that. that. Does that make it, sense? It's the difference between in when you're thinking about you know, teaching or cueing an exercise, mm. the difference between what is the technically correct, you know, list of yeah. movements that have to happen, yeah. as opposed to what's actually going to what do those what does this client need to hear in totally. order to start to experience, exactly. which is, might be something totally different. And you know what? Like, I don't even know if this is allowed, but like, I change names to things. Like, sometimes it's not what it's written down in paper. Like, I was doing a stretch class the other day, and um, no one could understand what I was trying to get. I was like, stick your knee out like a grasshopper. You know, like, I just, I came up with something else, and now it's become the grasshopper. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I just, I think you've just got to believe what you're saying mm. and it's got to make sense for you and then they, it makes sense to them. I, um, you, I want to sort of get back into your bio a little bit because mm. you're, yeah. you're, now, you're now head trainer and also one of the owners at mm. Vive in Sydney. And so you have, you know, your role includes now hiring and nurturing and growing yeah you know the, the the trainers so what do you do to to kind of bring out that authenticity and help your trainers feel comfortable and let go um it's it's been challenging it's it's what it's been a um it's been hard I'm so, it hasn't been easy um vive Vive for us was, um, how do I explain it? It's more, it's definitely more along the experience sides of things. Like what can we give to our clients to maximize their experience? Um, and that's a performance. So a lot of, a lot of energy comes out of us when we teach. It's not a simple, you know, quiet meditating you know step-by-step -step class it's actually a performance you know we are bouncing around the room we're full of energy um so when it came to teaching the girls and um extracting that from them 
we it was all about being authentic and where they felt comfortable i never wanted them to go okay i need to teach like sarah or i need to teach a certain way and that mm-hmm. goes back to expectations um i go whatever you feel comfortable doing and saying you've just got to bring that to the floor um and we have come up with a really simple plan for the girls to kind of method to kind of follow and it's just this flow so minimal springs um maximize the workout as much as you can on that certain spring and minimal cue get them moving it's you know that whole if you can get them moving your job's done you know like and then you can just focus in on giving the best experience that you possibly can and that might come across with your banter that might come across with you know valuing what the customer or the clients want from that workout and you know making personal adjustments to those clients um so I just I don't really I don't really kind of tell them what they need to do. I let them teach themselves a little bit and make mm. them make them kind of figure it out. They they know, they know what they they're capable of doing. And I think not telling them what to do makes them who they are. I love that. It's it's a very uh, enlightened leadership approach. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they figure it out for themselves. And when you say minimal springs, you mean as few spring changes as possible, right? Not always. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Not no, always yeah. the lightest no, spring no, no, possible. No, 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 no. So we we try and do three spring changes a class. Yeah, and that's in what a fifty-minute class. I'm sorry, I missed that last bit. A fifty-minute class. Yeah. 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 So, like, you're changing springs every fifteen or twenty minutes, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. So we try and um, what we what we did was. Um, you know how I said before I went into like what works for me, what kind of resonated with me a little bit Mm. more was instead of if I had one, like I'm talking colored springs, if I had one red spring, um, I'm like, what can I do on that red spring? So the clients don't have to think about changing a spring again. Like I don't want them to have to think about changing their springs. I'd rather keep them in something I don't lose them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so so they yeah. so they're not changing springs very often. You know, basically hardly. No, all. and they're not getting a lot of cues. You know, just enough so that they're pushing with their legs or their arms or whatever, and they're not. Yeah. And so, what are they experiencing? Like, what what's the experience that you're you're providing or engendering for them? Uh, there's no there's no interruptions. You know, like if I. They can, they can stay where they're at really comfortably. Um, I put progressions in. I put advancements in um, to the movements, whether it be, you know, with equipment or whatever it might be. Um, but, yeah, there's no, there's no distractions of, you know, there's not, uh, I don't, I'm trying to, there's no like, yeah, there's no disruptions. It's just a flow. So yeah. if I can... If I can give that to the client where they can just keep moving and they're just listening to those those really small cues of just a changing of position of your foot or, you know, repositioning yourself on the reformer slightly or whatever it may be, it just it comes down just to workshopping it on yourself and, you know, trying to make it as disruptive as you possibly can for your client when they're working out. And I think that's something that's worked for me. Um, And they get a better workout for it. You know, they're not stopping and starting and, you know, resetting and switching off. Like you don't lose them. You've got their full attention for that 50 minutes because you're not telling them to get up and move too much or change something or grab something or, you know, You've just got them for that 50 minutes if mm. you can. So you said, I mean, you were referring to like a state, a flow class where, you know, each exercise flows into the next and there's yeah. I feel like there's any interruptions, but there's also a, a, a flow state, you know, where you get in the zone 
Yeah. And and you're fully present. And, you know, that is like a peak experience for a lot of yeah. people. That, that's and I think Vibe's, Vibe's done an amazing job with this. Like, you can teach like that. I think anyone can teach like that. Um, but we've got, have you, I don't know if you're familiar with Vibe, but we've got um, lights and music as one of our main things that we bring into the room. And it becomes this sensory workout is what, you know, John had a vision for to start with was how can we keep these senses firing? You know, how can we keep it going? So I think the workout that we've created complements everything else in that room. So then you've got these these clients just spaced out for 50 minutes. They're just having the best time. Like, you know, there's no there's no other worry about it, which is pretty cool. So it's a yeah, I mean, so you've you've really engineered the whole sensory mm. and physical experience to bring people to a to being present and being fully engaged in in having that experience. Yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's take a break. Welcome back. So let's let's take that as a great opportunity to segue into mm. the evolution of Pilates. Yeah, and perfect. I would like to kind of just open up here by giving a really brief history that up until about the mid-2000s, um, there was no such thing as group reformer Pilates. There was there was matwork Pilates was the only kind, yeah. of matwork, the only kind of group Pilates that there was. And then if you did reformer, you did it in like a boutique one-on-one or three-on-one. Three-on-one, yeah. And it was it was all about, you know Pilates enthusiasts sort of handing down one little suburban studio from master to apprentice over a dozen years, you know, with the same aging clientele, you know, basically coming back. But in in the mid two thousands, the group reformer thing started, and then in twenty ten, Aaron Smith started KX, and since then it's just gone bananas in Australia. It's totally yeah. exploded until now. Um, it is the number one. Uh, sports participation or exercise participation for women between 40 and 50 and, you know, very close for women 30 to 40 and women 50 to 60. Um, And it's totally mainstream now. Like it's a multi-hundred million dollar industry in Australia. Yeah. Um, And yet we we have this real um, tension within the industry between kind of the, the different kind of waves of the, the, that evolution. So the kind of old guard who were, you know, pre 2005, still doing it, you know, the kind of the more traditional way, there's a real tension there between them and now even some of the more, you know, second wave Pilates studios, I imagine, because you guys are right on the cutting edge. I mean, you're like, you're pushing the envelope. So I imagine you get get a lot of pushback. So yeah, tell me, tell me about your perspective on the whole thing. Yeah. So I I remember, like I said before, I, I went to KX. So I did, I taught at KX um, for two years. Uh, and I remember being petrified of 12 beds. Um, and, yeah, and then John said to me, "We've, you know, I was about to open my own studio in Newcastle when I was leaving KX and I was going to do something very similar, 12 beds, really just what I knew. Um, and John used to be a client of mine. And then, you know, he got wind that I was moving to Newcastle to do my thing and he was like, stop. He's like, I need you at Vive. And I was like, okay. So we sat down and we we talked about it. And he said, we've got 20 beds. And I was like, oh, 20 beds. I was like, okay, um, let's do this. And this, it this, was, is, this is John Keats, right? The John CEO Keats, of, yeah. Of Vive. Yeah. So I, it was daunting. I didn't know how I was going to command 20 people. 20 beds, 20 people um, in a safe way. Um, and I was very closed off minded a little bit about it to start with. And then um, then it worked. We had 20 beds and the way that I taught obviously just helped a little bit. So the minimal cue, easy setup, get them moving and get them going. But we definitely 
changed Pilates a little bit, the word. We've actually even thought about taking Pilates out of our, you know, title um, because we've had people really resist it. We've had, you know, other Pilates studios come in and see what we do and then, you know, they've even said, they're like, how do you manage 20 people? How is there not two people on the floor? Like, this is an unsafe environment. You're, you know, this isn't Pilates. Uh, and then it uh, just made me think, like, well, what is Pilates? <laughs> that um, I, I, I had a studio in Melbourne um, from 2006 to 2016, um, yeah. a couple of studios. One of them had 18 reformers. The other one had 20. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm 100% on, on your side of the boat. Yeah. Um, but, like, we have this ridiculous fear in Pilates that we're going to hurt we someone. Do. If the, it's like ACDC played to, like, 7 million people, you know, <laughs> like – it, like you go to see a rock concert, there are like a hundred thousand people at the at the sports oval. Yeah, people are moshing, like running and physically tackling each other, like in a seething mass. Like, why don't we get concerned about that? But then there's exactly. twenty people lying on their backs on a cush padded cushion, and we're know, petrified. The, we're going to hurt them. Oh, drives me bananas. And and then it was when someone said that they came in and they said like started questioning what I was doing and my tech, my, where, where have I done my practice? Like, you know, how am I qualified? How qualified am I as an instructor? And I was like, why, why, why can't we do this? And it, I was just like, why, why are we so afraid of teaching 20 people? Um, and then I was like, this is Pilates evolution. Like this is changing, you know, like, these clients love what we're doing. So why are we going to be afraid to keep yeah. doing what we're doing? Well, Jane you know? used to teach like millions of people on video, you know. Yeah. Couldn't see any one of them. <laughs> you know, Like there wasn't a mass, mass panic about that. But somehow in Pilates, like we're deathly afraid that, you know, someone's going to explode if we, if we don't sort of give them 100% personal attention 100% of the time. And we don't nurture them. Mm. And I, I kind of want to touch a little bit on the whole – um, the nurturing sides of things. And I feel like I nurture my clients every class that I do, but it's not, it's not tactile. It's not, I don't touch them or, you know, watch over them with every move they make. I think it's that I nurture them because I, it's who I am as a person. I've got a nurturing personality where someone can feel comfortable with me. Um, and safe in my environment because I care. And, you know, I, I, I don't know where it's kind of been put into place why Pilates has to be this one-on-one -on -one thing. And, you know, it's such a sin to go and teach 20 people reformer Pilates now. It's funny. So, it's funny because there's there's some plenty of archival footage of Joseph Pilates himself teaching large groups of twenty plus people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really wanted to explore this sort of boundary or between you know nurturing versus helicopter parenting. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I think we'd all agree that that nurturing is a good thing. I, I don't think yeah. there are many people that would say no. You know, nurturing is not good. But yeah. I think we possibly mean different things by it. And yeah, I think there's a there's yeah, it's a bit grey when mm. it comes to that. Um, I've had a couple of people come through that feel like they've got to just be by their side the whole time, and they think that's nurturing. You know, when a client feels like, I didn't feel like I got enough attention. It's like, okay, but why, why do you feel like that? Why do you feel like you don't, you know, have that, that one-on-one -on -one is like, you've got to be able to feel safe without me breathing down your back or, you know, positioning your foot properly or something like that. I wonder where kind of, where that where that came from? Why do people think that Pilates is got to be this rehab all the time? Well, I don't even know if it's rehab. I think there's just a there's a a massive amount and a, a deep vein of of fear and anxiety that goes through 
you know, most of the Pilates world that is mm. that if people exercise the wrong way, they will be damaged. Hurt themselves. You know, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll explode. And, 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 if, and it's our job to keep them safe. Yeah. And that sound, sounds good on the face of it. It's like, okay, our job is to keep our clients safe. But truly, like, I mean, there are some environments where safety is important. Like if I'm flying, you know, I fly a fair bit, you know, I, I'm very grateful for the safety checklists that they do in the, co- you know, in the cockpit yeah. to do less safety, like safety, good in a plane. If I'm on safari in Africa, you know, safety, good, you know, but if, yeah. I, if I'm abseiling down a mountain, Safety, safety is important. You know, yeah. yeah. But like lying on a padded mat, you know, working with like a tenth of your body weight. Yeah. You know, it's like that is the just about the safest possible environment a human can be in. Totally. You know, like there's no danger. The only danger is you trip over the reformer and you know, <laughs> or step on well, some broken yeah, glass or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know where we get this like paralyzing fear that drives you know so much of of and you know what i think that fear is in new trainers that come out you know i think if we can send a message to anyone that's stepping see i had no history of pilates beforehand you know i didn't really i did a really short course on reformer um i would say most of my experience came from teaching and practicing on myself and you know, screwing up every now and then, you know. Is it, isn't it a sad indictment of the, the general state of Pilates training that you're the better for having had less training? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I did screw up. There's things, there's moments where I've had clients in something and I'm like, shit, this is not working. How do I get them out of it? And I'll never do it again. But I'm not, I'm not afraid to do that. I'm not, you know, kind of... But when, have, but when it didn't yeah. work, it wasn't like they were all, you know, hurting themselves. No, they were just like no. no one understood what you asked them to do or they couldn't no do it or what, and, the wrong and, spring you know, setting. It, or, something wasn't yeah. right and it just wasn't working. Yeah. Um, no, it, yeah, I don't think anyone can – yeah, I never had that fear like there is now for those people coming out. So I think if you can shake that off them, that, you know, this is a safe environment. Like, it's fun. It's an experience. It's enjoyable. It's it's movement. Like, don't be so uptight about it. Let it just be what it is. Like, I think we're so scared of what damage we can cause to people. But mm. I, I just, I think this, so we talk about the evolution of Pilates a little bit more was, um, you know, we've got to make sure that we're evolving with it. And, you know, I'm, I feel like Pilates has this background or reputation with rehab, you know, more so than just having fun. So it'd be really awesome for that whole thing to kind of break away from that rehab fixing issue to just enjoying a group activity of having fun. Like even, like you said, Joseph did it. He did it with groups of, you know, 20 people. He had fun, you know. So it's kind of like where's the line drawn? You know, you, you've got your rehab. You've got your, you know, your, your slow clinical Pilates. But then why is it bad that we've got what we're doing now where we've got 20 beds and it's high intensity and it's fun and it's, you know, it's dynamic movement but on steroids. Why mm. can't we do that? Well, you can do it and you are doing it. We can it. do that. And we are pe- doing that. People are becoming threatened by it. That's the only but thing. Pe- yeah, but it's – and people are scared to do it because they're kind of like – they. I don't know where they get the thought that that's going to impact or hurt them. It's not. Well, they get it from, from every personal trainer, yoga instructor, Pilates teacher, et cetera, that they've, mm. they've come into contact with. Um, yeah. And the the thing, like we actually teach a course, you know, I've written a course and delivered yeah. it in clinical Pilates. And yeah. the, the irony is that like there are some very narrowly defined situations like post-surgery, you know, oh, yeah. you know whatever, yeah. where rehab is is truly, you know, sit here, move your knee, don't move anything else sort exactly. of thing. But for the vast majority of people who have back pain, neck pain, yeah. osteoporosis, cancer, 
arthritis, pregnancy-related pelvic girdle pain, you know, whatever mm. the condition, essentially the, the prescription is just get moving. Moving. You know, try not to worry about it. Just get moving. Let's get you moving. And we've totally lost, seem to have totally lost sight of that in the Pilates world. I think in the exercise world, you know, yeah. at large as well, there's this idea of, in quotes, corrective exercise and proper alignment and, you know, the, and, and, and keeping your clients safe. And the, when you keep your clients safe, the implication is, that, of course, that you're keeping them safe from something which is dangerous. And, mm. like, exercise is the least dangerous thing you can do. Like, if you want to live as long as possible, the number one thing to do is don't smoke. The number two thing is get vaccinated. Number three is exercise every day. Yeah. You know, like if you actually exercising, not exercising is much more dangerous for your health. Yeah. You're much more likely to die of a heart attack or cancer or, you know, obesity related, you know, complications or diabetes or whatever if you don't exercise. So exercising is just about the safest thing you can do. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah. And, you know, we've, like, we get people that come in that have been told they need to do Pilates for rehab reasons from, like you said, post-surgery or something like that. You know, we don't take those candidates on board. You know, there's certain, you know, studios that they could probably suit them better. And, you know, but people that aren't injured or, like, just want to get moving that come in and petrified of how we teach have no reason to be. And I'm like, why? And you know what? I get them in. We get, we get them moving. We get them going. And they walk out going, that was so much fun. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be slow for it to be, you know, safe. You can still move effectively and comfortably and safe in that environment of 20 people. You know, it, it, yeah, it, you know, some, and, and you know what? At the end of the day, I think it also comes down to the the teacher being ha- comfortable with it. You know, I've had people come through the door, um, and they don't feel confident teaching twenty people. Not saying that it's it's an uh, you know an unsafe environment, but if you are confident with how you teach and what you do, um, the room the room's going to feel that. You know, it it is for some, it isn't for some, and I mm-hmm. think you know. And I think I'm catching up with Chloe about this um, later on in the month about, you know, there's not one way, there's not just one way to teach Pilates, you know, something's going to be for you and then some things aren't going to be for you. And that's figuring out what you feel comfortable teaching. But I don't think it's fair that we go, I teach like this. So you you need to teach like this, mm. you know. Um, I know for me that the way that I teach, a lot of people would go, "Oh my god!" Like I don't know how she can teach like that. Like how is that even a thing? But that's how, like I would never go and judge anyone or expect anyone to teach like I teach. You know, um, that's how they feel comfortable teaching. That's if that's you giving your clients the best experience because that's what you believe, that's what's important. Um, so I think people coming out of studying and and figuring out where they want to go with what they feel comfortable doing, there's so many avenues that they can go down. But I don't, I really don't think it's fair that we judge people on what how they teach and what they believe and what they practice and. You know, if we're all on the same page that at the end of the day, if we can give a client the best experience in what we're doing, then we're all winning at what we do. Mm. I think the, 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 the fundamental divide seems to me to be, you know, where you and I are sitting on one side mm. feels like the, the experience, you know, is like exercise is amazing for people on so many levels it makes you feel yeah. better emotionally physically it helps your weight it look, makes you look better it makes you live longer better mental health like there's so many benefits to exercise but really they come from any exercise just get moving and and what what is so what we're delivering that's unique in the in your Pilates class or my Pilates class, it's not which way your toes are pointing that makes a difference. No. It's, it's the experience that, that br- keeps bringing you back 
so that you get those benefits. Yeah. You know. And and so that's that's us sitting on one side of the divide. And and the people on the other side of the divide, I imagine, see it more as no, which way your toes point is actually what makes the difference. There's some kind of physical mechanism that by which Pilates has some kind of magical effect that yeah. other forms of exercise don't have. And so I have to, you know, get things right in quotes, you know, on a technical level in order to For give it to be. the benefit. Yeah. So I want, yeah, I kind of, I probably get, I don't know, picked on for this, but is, is that because they're not confident in themselves and how they teach that they've got to do it by the book? Like if they're given, you know, a certain way to teach and they've been told a certain way to teach, but they don't know like what they're comfortable teaching. Do you know what I mean? Like if they're being told a certain way, they might believe it and practice it and love that. Um, but I just don't know whether it's, do you just go by the book and all the not the notes that you write down is just how you teach moving forward. I don't think you're evolving yourself if you don't kind of branch yourself out a little bit and explore, you know, those different feelings and, you know, what it is for you as passion to put onto the floor and teach your teach your clients and give them that experience. Um, they're so worried about, you know, like you said, where you position your foot and how your knees face into your hip and all of that is the experience the client is going to get from that. But I feel like it's a lot more than that. Oh, so much more. So like, much more than that. Uh, this is something actually I talked about with my friend Anula um, just last yeah. week that uh, the what you just echoed there, that the the idea that, uh, maybe we, you know, when we do it the in quotes proper way, you know, the way the way we were trained up to do it, mm. then it kind of absolves us of responsibility. It's like, oh, well, if it's wrong, it's not me that's wrong. I'm just following instructions, sort of thing. Yeah, you're not whereas, holding yourself accountable. Yeah, really. Whereas when you put yourself out there and go, "Hey, world, it's me. <laughs> we're doing this." Yeah. And then if that turns out to be a bit of a dud, it's like, ah, there's no, you know, I'm just standing here right in the middle of the room with egg on my face. And all the totally. Me. <laughs> totally. That's what I was saying like before where, you you know, if you fuck it up, you know, you, you're learning from it, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's awesome that we don't kind of follow it from a book or the steps that we've, we know. Mm. So how can we, how can we, how can you, how can we as an industry, you know, move more towards being comfortable and letting go experience like get out and just don't be so narrow-minded when it comes to a certain way when you know teaching or you know don't don't have expectations of what you need to be when you go out and teach you know for anyone that's about to just finish their course or thinking about doing it be really open-minded going into it. You know, there is no right, there is no wrong when it comes to who you are is going to be, who you are going to be as an instructor. You know, you can be anything you want to be when you go out on that floor. You know, I say to the girls, you know, that's your, you're the ringmaster, you know, you, it is you. Like there is no, no one telling you how you need to be, you know, if you believe what you, you're, you're teaching, I think it will just happen, you know. You've just got to be open-minded about it and just don't resist it. Don't resist how you feel, you know. Don't be worried about what, you know, a client's going to think if you mess up a word or a cue. Um, I think we can all kind of relate to the fake it till you make it kind of thing when you first step up there and teach. And you're like so worried that you're going to say the wrong muscle or, you know, the wrong movement. Um, and, you know, I've heard this from so many people that I've just been mentored by. They're just like, you know, the client, the client doesn't know yeah. what you've got in your head. You know, the client doesn't know what you're about to say. So if it doesn't come out the way that you thought it would, it doesn't matter. 
don't yeah. be, don't put the pressure on yourself for it. And the easiest way not to say the wrong muscle is just don't mention muscles. Don't mess. Don't mention it. You know, like you know, I think we're so worried about teaching an anatomy lesson to our clients. They don't care. They just want to feel good. They don't you care know? at all. They don't care at all. They don't care. You know, I don't want to sit and like, I love it. Like I can froth over that. Like when someone says something, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm feeling that, like whatever. But someone with not that background just wants to feel good. You know, they don't, if they want to learn that, they'll go and practice it. You know, if they wanted so to I, know about anatomy, they'd be in an anatomy class, exactly, not in a exactly. class. <laughs> so I think, you know what, we've just got to not complicate it. Why do we complicate it? Just, you've just got to be, let it go, you know, when you, when you teach. Oh, I love it. I love it, Sarah. Yeah. We've got this idea, I think, in, I think it's just a Western society, and maybe it's throughout the world, I don't know, but yeah. that complication equals more better you know like more advanced more subtle more knowledge you know as you become more expert you know of of you know by definition yeah stuff gets more complicated yeah and i think like why does that that doesn't have to be true in all realms of life like surely as you get better at some things they get more simple yeah like surely a simple cue could in fact be better than a complicated cue totally like why does complicated equal better and you know what, I think, why do we try and is that something that we're, we complicate it because we want to know more about things or, you know, we're trying to prove something to ourselves by making it complicated? I think that's it. I think that's it. I think it's, it's back to personal sense of self-worth and it's like, well, if I'm charging you, you know, $25 for, this, for the session and there's 20 of you, or mm. in most classes, 12 or 14 of you, Yeah. then I feel like, well, what's the value that I'm providing? And and if I measure that value that I'm providing based on like how much personal attention I give you and how much I tell you about anatomy and and how many like subtle and, you know, precise cues I give you, then then I think, well, the more I do of those things, the better value you're getting and, and you're yeah. getting your $25 worth. Whereas if I have the mentality that, now I'm providing an experience for you and you actually don't care about me at all. <laughs> all yeah. What you care about is having your experience and I'm, my job is to give you that experience. Experience, exactly. And yeah. you know what? You can't put a price tag on that. Like if you can, if a client can, look, I've had clients come up to me after a class and gone, Sarah, that was better than therapy. You know what I mean? Like if you can give that to someone, if you can make someone check out from whatever they're going on in their life for 50 minutes based on experience, and that is not complicating it. Like I'm very simple when I teach. Like I am minimal, but I will put on a performance. I will sing. I will dance. I will jump around. You know, I will give them the best moment of their life and I have not complicated anything in that, in that room. To movement, um, and you know what? That's not going to be for everyone, and I, I get that. Um, but yeah, I I don't put the pressure on myself to teach the clients irrelevant stuff. They need to know. They don't need to know that. There's been such a, a recurring theme throughout this conversation of letting go. Yeah, and you know, letting go of complexity, letting go of the, the need to feel like we have to be a certain way, letting go of, of the idea that what we're providing, you know, the value that we're providing is based on what we do rather than what the client experiences. Uh, and letting 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 go of like all of, all of the self-talk that we kind of bring yeah. into that situation. I think um, this is, you know, probably it's going to ruffle a few feathers, but I think I hope that this conversation is helpful for for some people who maybe are kind of struggling with letting go of that stuff or feel like they have. It's my experience that, well, it's my observation, actually, I don't know if I'm right, but it, mm. it seems to me that people, when people are kind of stuck in that thought process of feeling like, oh, it's really complicated, what if I say the wrong thing, what if I get the muscle wrong, et cetera, like yeah. they feel like that's something they have to get 
over, like they have to climb up over it and, and learn all that stuff. Whereas in reality, they just have to put it down and let, let yeah. go of it. I think we're so worried about failing. I think humans in general are scared about failing. Um, and we've always got to be, you know, we've just got to always be, we're looking for validation every day to that we're doing, we're doing good, we're doing right, you know. Um, and I think if you don't rely on other people to validate you every day um, and you just feel amazing about what you do, I think that, that helps me let go, you know, that helps me go, you know, I'm just going to do me today because that's been working. So put the work in to figure out what you feel comfortable doing and teaching um, because I think it will pay off. Um, and, you, you know, you, you're going to mess up. But, you know, if you don't mess up, you don't learn. So mm-hmm. you've got to just be open to that. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to screw up. Um, you know, anyone that says I've never screwed up, I don't think has done enough growing, mm. you know. Cat Webb, um, who's an extremely accomplished teacher. And Love Cat Webb, yeah. Her, her strategy, like she said to me that, you know, very frequently she'll be in class and she she gives them an instruction and everyone's just kind of staring at her blankly and she's like, yes. oh, that didn't really work, did it? Okay, what would be a better way of saying that? <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, and then the clients tell her, oh, you could have said this, you could have said that. And she's like, oh, yeah. okay, great. Yeah, we'll use that cue. So it's like she makes a thing of it. You know, it, totally. it's a, she Always. turns it into a feature. Yeah. And you know what? I love that. And I, you know, I've done Kat, I've, I've met Kat. I went down to Melbourne and saw a studio um, when I stayed with uh, Laura down at Rise. Um, and love, love Laura. She's amazing. Amazing. Um, but yeah, it was, you know what? And I think I do that a lot in my class, actually. I, I talk to the clients, I interact with them, you know? And if they're not giving me something, you know, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, obviously it's not working for you guys. Like make light of a situation. I think we're so uptight when we come to instructing. Loosen up. Like they love that banter. Mm. Banter with your clients. Have fun. You know, don't take it so seriously. And the thing um, is that, like, so many clients come in, like you say, with you know, anxiety, with, with you know, self-talk, like, with, like, will I be good enough? With what if I'm the only numpty in the room who's not flexible enough or strong enough or fit enough or don't, I don't get the moves or, you know, clients have these insecurities. And if we, you know, create this, you know, work like crazy to create, to create this false, you know, facade of perfection you know the clients never see our never let the clients see our mistakes like that's not actually what the clients want what the clients want is an a need is an environment where mistakes are are safe it's okay they're safe you can do that and you know what that is so true like so true i've had people walk in and go i've never felt so comfortable you know because you know i mess up all the time you know like if if you kind of walk in and you you know try and get the room pumped up and going and I'm like well obviously you know this isn't working but you you make a joke of it you make you you don't try and go okay well that was awkward and then shut yourself down and just become like checked out be present in the room I reckon just let it go when you're in the room talk to the clients banter have fun and don't be afraid to mess it up. Hmm. Yeah. What a great place to leave it, Sarah. This has been a fantastic conversation. I'm so grateful to you. It's uh, it's always f- hugely rewarding and exciting to me when I find come across people like you who are liberated and just out there being fabulous and doing your kick-ass <laughs> thing. Um, and you know, damn, damn, what the, the other people say. So, yeah. you know, my my massive congratulations to you and, and the team. Thanks, Raf. Vive and a, a a big high five to you all. Awesome, thank you. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, 
I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.